Hi everyone, welcome to the latest Laboratory News podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Sarah Lawton and I'm going to be your interviewer for today. When we're indoors, we crave the outdoors. And so this can manifest itself in stress, in the performance of our brains and in our emotions and our mood. Here, architect Robert Hopkins explains how the application of biophilic design and sensor-led monitoring systems can aid human resilience in an indoor work environment. So the word biophilia is uh, a word which means to to love life and it it was a word created in 1964 by the social psychologist Eric Fromm uh, in his essay The Heart of Man. Um, It was popularised in the 1980s by Edward Wilson um, who wrote a book called Biophilia, The Human Bond with Other Species and essentially what Um, what Edward Wilson talks about is humankind's innate biological connections with nature and essentially um, drawing this link that um, humans had lived an outdoor existence for most of of our evolution and only recently have we um, started to uh, spend significant parts of our time indoors and when we're indoors we create the outdoors and so this um, this can manifest itself in in, in stress, um, in our performance of our brains and in our emotions and our mood. So biophilic design addresses these. It looks at reducing stress. Um, it looks at improving cognitive performance and it looks at improving our emotions and our moods and making us feel much more creative. Just as a statistic, we spend um, around 80% of our uh, time indoors in Western Europe, and that goes up to nearly 93% of our time in uh, North America. So we really do spend a very significant part of our lives inside now. And whilst we are inside, we are craving the, the outside. So essentially, biophilic design looks to address this as best we can. Yes, as a desk jockey myself, I can really relate to being inside for too long a lot of the time. How can links between architecture and the natural world improve human resilience in the workplace then? This is a really interesting question to consider how um, design um, on the natural world um, can be uh, interlinked, particularly when it comes to the workplace. And essentially the, the, the starting point for us has been the uh, 14 Patterns of Biophilic Design. This was a paper that was uh, authored about five years ago by Terrapin Brightgroom, who are a company based in in New York, and they've been doing lots of research over the last 10 or 15 years um, in this area. And essentially, these these different patterns talk about visual connections with nature, non-visual connections with nature, thermal airflow, water, dynamic diffuse light, patterns, forms, natural systems, and and each of these has um, quite huge um, impacts and and measured impacts as well um, on on different parts of the um, the, human, making you more resilient. So, um, for for instance, visual connections with uh, nature, they they lower our blood pressure and our our heart rates. Um, Things like... um, Thermal, thermal airflow again. They they 
um, can can link into task performance and being able to work much more effectively if you feel as though there's different temperatures and, and different airflows in a space as you um, start doing a, doing a task. Um, light, again, that can affect attitude and, and happiness um, and also uh, quite significantly circadian rhythms. So, um, again, being exposed to um, the different circadian rhythm of the of the sun through through the day uh, means that on average you can sleep uh, improve sleep more sleep by about forty five minutes uh, per night. Quite an incredible um, difference um, just by having access to good quality natural light in a in a workplace. Um, again, things like complexity. Um, in a, in a space, um, really, really reach inside your brain and make um, an improved cognitive function. They use parts of the brain that don't necessarily get used if a, if a, if a space is, is very simple. Um, again, biomorphic forms and patterns, um, they improve stress recovery. So um, there's a, an acceptance that, you know, most um, jobs um, have a certain amount of stress. And so, um, the um, biophilia isn't just about reducing that stress it's about reducing the recovery from stress so you, you get into a, a good place as, as quickly as possible um, cognitive function again just looking at thermal airflow um, the brain if we look at how much CO2 is in the atmosphere only reducing um, only by a small amount you can see huge increases in cognitive function 10 20 percent by just getting from from 1200 parts per million down to eight or 900 parts per million so there really really is a very close link and it's not just uh, workplace it's in uh, healthcare settings in education settings in, in hospitality settings it really goes across every single uh, sector of design so a lot of this is about the atmosphere in which we are finding ourselves indoors every day. Um, in a way, then, are biophilic buildings actually ecosystems in their own right? I would actually suggest that biophilic buildings are just about the opposite of being a, an ecosystem in their own right. Biophilia is, is all about being much more tuned into your surroundings. Uh, and that's not just the surroundings within your building, but the surroundings within your context, whether that's a city context or whether it's a countryside context, and really connecting much further beyond just the, the boundaries of, of your own building. Um, that said, um, the, the ecosystem with, within a building is absolutely essential to achieving this. And this is, um, again, going back to those 14 patterns of biophilic design. I'm thinking really clearly about, about air quality within a building, about water quality within a building, and thinking about the, the lighting quality within a, within a building. These don't all necessarily have to be, be natural, but they um, they do have to um, try and evoke nature in, in some fashion. So, um, again, air quality is looking very carefully at CO2 levels, at good levels of filtration within that air to try and reduce pollution absolutely as much as possible um, to, um, to, to make sure that, that CO2 levels um, uh, encourage um, good performance of the of the brain, and then moving on to to water, um, 
good quality water supply into a building means that people are much more likely to drink that water. And if people drink that water, they're much likely to stay hydrated. You stay hydrated, your brain functions much better. So again, it's, it's part of that cycle. And, and, and you are right, it is an ecosystem. Um, again, light quality um, is, is, is similar to, to this. Uh, talking again about circadian rhythm, this ability to, um, to know your body much more tuned into what time of day it is and so you on that natural wave of, of being slightly tired after lunch that's a, a natural thing um, of, of peaks and troughs throughout the day but then when you get home in the in the evening um, really you know your brain does know that it is it is the night time and that is time to, to sleep to reset those batteries and to uh, prepare yourselves to start again the following day <laughs> yes, I'm well acquainted with that afternoon slump, I must say. So does the spine use any sensor-led monitoring to, to activate, automate or control its environment? Part and parcel of the, the well standard there are an incredible amount of sensors and controls that are sat within the, the, the spine building. It's um, a requirement of the standard that all of this information gets displayed. So there's a there's a, uh, a dashboard that will be on everyone's computer. You'll always know what temperature it is. You'll always know how much CO2 is in the atmosphere. You'll always know um, what other chemicals might be in the atmosphere. And so there's the sensors all all over the building. It's it's really kind of quite interesting that although. Um, many of us uh, have sensors on our own bodies now with uh, smart watches that are telling us constantly what our heart rate is, what the temperature is. Um, very soon they'll be able to tell you what the air quality is. And so the uh, the well standard and the spine have really, really embraced this to, to make sure that people have good, accurate information whilst they're in the building. There's nothing to, to hide away from. We really want to celebrate how good the air is in the building, how good the light levels are in the building, and that the place is not overheating. Another area of the well standard that's really interesting is that, um, that the human body essentially doesn't like uniform temperature throughout the whole building. So each workplace floor has a three-degree variance in temperature across the floor. That's a requirement for uh, for the standards, so there are warmer areas and there are cooler areas, and those are very, very closely controlled. But they have this three degree difference, and so again, the the human brain um, reacts to this in a in a really positive way. That there's there's pockets of warmness and, and coolness. It also means that um, it, you move away from this sort of argument of whether uh, a workplace is too warm or too cool that, that people can naturally orientate themselves towards a, a place that makes them feel most comfortable. And again, the psychology of knowing that there is somewhere that suits you is, is really important to, to, to this building. There's other, again, there's lots of lots of AV in there. You'll know um, how often um, every meeting room gets occupied. You'll know um, when you can use a, use a space um, and that links back to the, the college in, in London as well. So, again, we've done a lot of work around, um, around workplace analysis about how spaces are going to be used. And there's, there's light, there's um, sensors that will be uh, integrated into light fittings. So we'll know exactly how many people are in the building, 
any one time will know how often meeting rooms get used, will know how often every single desk gets used. And this isn't um, to, um, to, to use uh, this information in a negative way, but in a, in a positive fashion to, to make sure that we can continue to optimise that environment to make it better and better and better as, um, as it involves. So, Mark, how do the environmental conditions inside the building feed into the biophilic nature of the building? Do you create almost an internal weather system? Again, this is a really interesting question and linked back again to the uh, essentially human response. And whilst we've spent the last 100 years or so trying to standardise everything within a building, whether it's the lighting, um, blending natural lighting, artificial lighting, whether it's uh, having the same amount of air um, being supplied at all times to, to all space, or whether it's temperature maintaining um, exactly the same temperature all year round, regardless of whether it's summer or, or winter. The uh, research has actually shown that uh, humans don't like this. They like to be able to uh, experience different seasons and, and different weather conditions. So although I wouldn't describe it as a, a weather system in its own right, um, again, the well standard which we're using within the spine uh, requires on a typical floor plate that you have this three-degree variance in temperature from uh, from one side to another, and, and that's, um, again, so the, this, the shift away from uniformity. Uh, we looked really closely at whether we could get the ventilation system to um, to blow the odd uh, occasional breeze through uh, workplace floors because, again, the, the human, um, human psychology responds very positively to... Um, air being blown across its skin on the, the other occasion, being able to hear um, wind. And similarly uh, with water, which we've included on, on ground floor, particularly moving water and the, the ions that um, are in the, the atmosphere around moving water have very, very positive health features. So although I wouldn't describe it exactly as a, an internal weather system, um, I think what we've um, tried to achieve is um, to simulate in some fashion um, outdoor conditions where you get um, pools of warm, pools of cool, um, dappled light rather than standardised shadows as well, and, uh, and water um, within the building. <laughs> so basically you've designed a ventilation system that will literally send a shiver up your spine. <laughs> So will will the spine or and uh, any of the future buildings that you are going to be designing include pandemic monitoring um, and conditioning features, do you think? We were really fortunate with the, the spine building that the, the, the well standard um, felt as though it had preempted uh, a number of uh, issues that had been raised by, um, by the, uh, the recent pandemic, particularly around around air around water and about cleanliness. So um, the well standard is really clear on areas like hand washing. So, um, and again, this, this comes from medical best practice, which you may not have seen um, in a typical um, office type environment before. And, and hand washing, again, the, the transmission um, of pathogens, trying to avoid those. So the column of water, uh, the well standard talks about the height that a tap has to be um, above um, a sink to create a larger column of water, the distance that that is from, from the wall, 
um, automating those things where possible um, to make sure that you don't actually have to make any contact with the, the area um, where, you, where you're washing. Again, cleaning products, uh, the specification of materials and finishes is very clear that um, absolutely as much as possible they want you to just be able to use soap and water to, to clean surfaces. This is for a couple of reasons. Firstly, so they actually do get cleaned on a, a much more regular basis and it's much easier to, to clean them. Um, but but also um, the, the the requirement for specialist cleaning, they, they, they're trying to avoid that as, as, as much as possible. Again, with ventilation, um, there's increased ventilation rates within the, the building, um, higher than a typical um, BCO office or the SIPSI guidance. Um, partly this was to reduce CO2 levels, but it was also to make sure that the air is very, very fresh in spaces at, at all times. Um, air filtration, so there's additional filtering on the, the air systems within the, the spine. And, and again, we were just really fortunate that the, the well standard really sort of considers these areas very closely um, to um, to reduce the um, the amount of um, the toxins that are, are in the in the air at any one time. Again, microbe and mold control. Um, there's an option to put UV um, treatment onto the the AV onto the air handling system. We didn't actually adopt this, but um, the well standard is quite clear that you should really try to do it if it's all possible. Um, and then moisture management, humidity control um, are very clear about being monitoring humidity very, very closely in the building. And again, this is just to uh, make sure that the, the, the growth of pathogens um, is, is, is really quite uh, limited. There's also other areas such as um, the, the availability of, of information. So you're very clear of what to do if there's an emergency. And so planning, pandemic planning is is part of, of, of well. Water quality, again, really high quality water. You've got to test your water on a regular basis to make sure that you've got good water. So through, um, through a little bit of luck, but really these were um, known issues anyway with buildings. Um, we really are prepared for, for pandemics and a lot of these features I think you'll see in um, a lot of future buildings. I must say, judging from the images, it's an, going to be an incredibly beautiful building and it almost has a skin-like appearance on the outside. So that being the case, why is it called the spine? Well, the building doesn't just use skin. It uses the whole body as its inspiration. There's lots of um, these analogies between the, the human body and the skin is just one of them, probably the most uh, obvious one, because it's uh, such a, a lot, such a large expanse on the, the outside of the building. But again, the, the structure links back to the trabecular system in, um, in, in human bones and the skeleton. And the, the, the spine, this was derived from the uh, the idea of what we did with the staircases on the northern elevation of the building. This is the elevation you see as you'd be driving into the city. Um, the first thing you see as you're coming into the city, and um, where the uh, central core would traditionally have the the staircases hidden away uh, behind lifts and without any natural light in them, we swapped those and put them onto the outside of the building. So the stairs were fully glazed, and so this was to, to encourage people to use them absolutely as much as possible and to really turn the, the idea of the stair in a tall building on its head. 
So lots of natural light, lots of colour in there. I'm very visible from the, the outside of the, 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 the building. And as we, we mirrored these two staircases, they look like this vertebrae that goes on the, the, the north side of the building. And that was essentially where the, the name The Spine came from. Well, as somebody who's built such an incredible building uh, and workspace for so many people, have you actually have you any tips for bringing biophilic principles into a home office for those of us working remotely? Well, there's absolutely loads of things that you can do uh, within your home or within remote working to to really encourage biophilia in design, and I, I think very clearly about the things that make you happy the things surround yourselves with the the things that inspire you um again the way that you position um a desk um in in your your home office is very important traditionally we seem to get our desk and push it up against a wall and you find that you're just staring at a, a blank wall um, for the for the day if you if you're not careful. By turning that desk through ninety degrees, it gives you um, a view. It makes you be, see other things in the space, appreciate the space that you're in. It also means that your eyes can take a rest from a screen much more easily as you look away from the screen. Um, your eyes look into the distance and again that, that helps to exercise the pupils of the, the eye. Again think about positioning your desk in proximity to a window not just for, for natural light but to get a view, an interesting view, um, an inspiring view. Make sure that you think closely about ventilation. Um, again buy an air quality monitor. I have a, an air quality monitor in my my home office they're only a few pounds now on the on the internet and they're really great to actually uh, give tell you exactly how much co2 there is in the in the atmosphere at any one time and you know you can link those up to humid dehumidifiers and all sorts of things like that um natural materials um think carefully about what, what materials you've got in, in, in your room. Again, we use um, Desso Airmaster carpets in the, the spine building and, and they help to reduce the amount of dust that there is in an atmosphere. So if you um, if you uh, have a carpet in your, your, your room, think closely about the, the type of carpet you have. Think about colours as well, uh, colours that make you happy, colours that make you relaxed. Um, there's lots of research on colour psychology, but... Um, using your, your own inspiration um, around that um, should be really helpful. And I think more than anything, people are just much more aware now, whereas um, a home office might have been an occasional workspace or for, for doing the odd thing um, in the evenings or the weekends. These are spaces that are being used for much more prolonged periods of time now. And so all that biophilic research take a look at the 14 patterns of biophilic design by terrapin bright green and just use a few of those ideas and use them really really nicely and you'll get a great home office or working environment Wow, well, fascinating stuff. For hints and tips of how to use biophilic principles to improve your home-based workspace, please see our online article, Love Life, Love Remote Working. Robert Hopkins is Regional Director at Architecture and Building Consultancy, AHR. You can find them on ahr.co.uk.
If you visit our website at labnews.co.uk and sign up for our regular newsletter, we'll update you on when the next podcast becomes available. Thank you all for listening and I hope to catch you next time.